What's going on, DMV? How's everybody doing today? 106.7 The Fan is on your AM-FM dial. It's on the Odyssey app, and it's on our stream at thefandc.com. However, you're tuned in this evening. Well, we appreciate you hanging out with us for just a little bit. My name is Danny Noakes, our guy Donald back in D.C. producing the show. we got a fun one planned for you today as we are now just a couple of days out from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft, 800-636-1067. The MGM National Harbor listener lines, we will go to that throughout today's program. It's a great way to get in touch with us if you want to get involved, but so is Twitter. And that's where you can hit me up, at Danny Noakes. You could tweet the station as well, at 1067 The Fan. Got a couple of guests, one of which is coming up here in, oh, just under 10 minutes or so. We're going to talk to... My pal R.J. Anderson of CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage to go around the NL East a little bit. We will talk a little bit of Nats, but we'll look around the rest of Major League Baseball as well. Most of today's show will be spent talking about the NFL draft and what the commanders might be expected to do in said draft because, hey, let's face it, we're only, what, 12 or so games, a little bit more than that into the Major League Baseball season, closer to 18, I think depending on what your team has played in terms of a schedule. But uh, things for the Nationals, they're looking a little bleak right now. So we will not dwell on that too much. We will spend a little bit of time talking that today. I want to talk some caps as well, because they only have three regular season games left, two of which are this week, tomorrow night, being the first against the New York Islanders, the first of back-to-back games for the caps. But as I said... It is NFL Draft Week. It's here. It's upon us. And what is plan A for the Commanders on Thursday night? That's a great question and one that's been up for debate for the last couple of months. And now with Martin Mayhew stepping to the podium, addressing the media today, things probably even a little bit more blurred than you would have expected going into this weekend because Martin Mayhew talking about how there's a lot of potential in the middle of the draft. That would make you believe that the commanders are certainly looking at trying to trade down. Now, how realistic an opportunity they will have to do that is still very much a mystery because I heard Grant Paulson talking about it, not necessarily today, but just kind of over the last week or so as the draft has gone has come up closer. A lot of teams, most teams that, that aren't in the top 10 are probably looking to trade back. And, and maybe even some of those teams within the top 10 are still looking to trade back. It always just depends on the needs and what's available and what this year's draft is in terms of how good the players are, right? That's certainly been something that's been up for debate about the quarterback class of the 2022 NFL draft. But it is this Thursday. It's in Vegas. It's at the Caesars Forum. And by the way, Craig Heist, who's on the update, shout out to you, buddy, dropping a little bit of knowledge on me that I had not heard in the last 24 hours that Kirk Herbstreet, who was scheduled to be a part of that coverage, is no longer going to because they found a blood clot somewhere in his system. And out of an abundance of caution, he is not going to be a part of that coverage, which sounds scary, right? Anytime you hear the the phrase blood clot, uh, it can often mean some pretty terrible things, but it doesn't sound like it's too serious for Kirk, but still, hopefully he gets better soon. It'll be very weird to hear him on an NFL broadcast regularly throughout the 2022-2023 season. Not my first pick for a pro football broadcaster as a, as a color commentator, as an analyst, but I'm not even going to get into that because I actually have 
had a conversation on the air right here on 106.7 The Fan about the media business and, and why decisions like that are made and, and why less and less people are actually getting opportunities to do that sort of thing. But that's a digression, and I don't really want to talk about it right now. I was wondering, though, I've never been to Vegas before, and that's where the NFL draft is this year. Is that the best event that you could think of as a sports fan that you'd get to attend for your first trip to Las Vegas? Would The NFL draft, right, would that be number one, or would it be something like the NCAA tournament, right? That Those are... Only two sports-related events. Sports-related. There's a lot of things you could do out in Vegas. But those are the two things that, if you're going out there for the first time, those are two pretty momentous occasions to go and do it for. You know, not to say that I wouldn't love to, at some point, go to a Raiders game or even a Golden Knights game. It's just something that I've thought about as the draft is drawn a little bit closer. But the Commanders have that 11th overall pick. It doesn't appear by most accounts that they're going to take a quarterback. They seem pretty content with their acquisition of Carson Wentz. I think at this point, that's fine. Because, and this was the case before they traded for Carson Wentz. If you wanted to move up and go and get somebody like Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, both of whom are likely going to go in the top 10 picks, you would have had to give up a pretty large sum to try and get to that point, right? Multiple picks, maybe somebody else that's currently a starter, a contributor on your team, that would have been a lot. I mean, that would have been, that, it was a lot that seemingly the commanders gave up for Carson Wentz, at least based on Carson Wentz coming back in return. But I was on the more pro side as opposed to the con side of the Carson Wentz argument. And for me, it really comes down to the fact that compare him to some of the other quarterbacks that were available, not not the Russell Wilson sweepstakes or even when the pipe dream of Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay was was still a reality. Carson Wentz was still one of the better options available until fans, as they do, knee-jerk reaction day after. It was the worst-case scenario only because it happened because a couple of days before that, the worst-case scenario was actually Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, that's that's how the fan mind works there. But with Carson Wentz, you can get out of this contract after a year with little to no penalty. To me, that makes it mostly worth it. Because if you drafted a guy and you went up to get him, you had to trade away assets to get him, you're locked into him for at least the next couple of years. So I, by all accounts, that just doesn't seem like anywhere close to the worst case scenario to me. But so now what do the commanders do at 11? A lot of momentum trending toward Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton. Now, you've also got Derek Stingley Jr. He's a name that I've seen the Commanders could take at 11, but a lot of mocks have actually had Hamilton going 11 to the Commanders, and then Stingley Jr. would end up with either Minnesota, the pick after at number 12, or maybe even going the pick before. The thing about Kyle Hamilton, and and I'm not going to spend too much more time on this because it's just speculation at this point. And plus we got to get to RJ Anderson, but I just thought that JP Finley had a really good thought during his daily show with Brian Mitchell earlier today. And to paraphrase JP basically hypothesized that possibly more than any other fan base fans here in DC hyper analyze the safety position. And that's because we had a hall of fame caliber player in Sean Taylor, who was slain before he even entered the prime of his career. But then Washington hasn't had good consistent safety play since then so there's this constant comparison and this constant hope that someone's going to come in and replicate the success that sean taylor had when the reality is that's not 
fair. That's not even close to fair. How many safeties have entered the league since 2004, the same year that Sean Taylor was drafted, and were better than him? That was 18 years ago. 18 years ago. How many safeties were better than Sean Taylor? Maybe three, if that, and that's probably even generous. The point is, no one's going to be him, right? Let's not forget about what he brought to the franchise, but the constant comparisons don't do anything to improve his legacy, nor does it help to compare him to the new guy that's coming in. Now, I do still think a guy like Stingley it could be a bigger help to the defense right now, but this might be one of the only years that I jump on the first-round wide receiver bandwagon. I'm always staunchly against that notion when it comes to the commanders because they have whiffed on some receivers. And gosh, I always, always go back to Josh Doxson and say that's a guy we all knew was not worth the pick no matter how much football you've watched. But now you've got Carson Wentz. Ideally, you've got someone to play opposite of Terry McLaurin. If they get that long-term deal settled, and then you surround, you get Carson Wentz the weapons he deserves, he's in a much better position to succeed. Got to get better play out of the running backs. J.D. McKissick was great last year. Antonio Gibson, you probably would like to see him stay a little bit healthier, get you a little bit more. McKissick was great, kind of filling in as, as you know, whenever he couldn't go. But they, everyone's got to take a step forward this year. And with the schedule that they play, it's the complete opposite of last year. They played maybe the toughest schedule in the league last year. It's going to be close to the opposite of that this year. Let's do this. Let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. Come right back. And we're going to jump into a little baseball. Talk to RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. here on a Monday evening. Thanks for listening. 106.7 The Fan on your AM FM dial. Danny Noakes hosting the show with you up until 10 o'clock. Donald producing. Right now we're going to go on over to the phones as we welcome in our first guest, and we are delighted to do so. Say hello to RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. You can find him on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson. RJ, great to hear from you as always, my friend. How's everything going? Everything is going well. How about yourself? Going well. Going better than it is for the Nationals right now, my friend. I tell you, the running joke today across Washington, D.C., and really a lot of sports media in general, is Lucius Fox vomiting on the field yesterday for the Nats at the very beginning of the game. Hopefully he's feeling better, but darn it if that's not a pretty good omen as to what the Nats season has been so far and to what it could be down the line. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they have the second-worst run differential in all of Major League Baseball. The only team that's worse than them, the Cincinnati Reds. And we all know what a mess it's been in Cincinnati with the owner's son criticizing the fans and losing. I think they have the lead in, like, 18 pitches of this 11-game losing streak, which is just hard to fathom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, unfortunately, you know, better times are not really ahead for the Nationals. They're at least a year away from being a year away, and that's probably being generous. But I guess on the bright side, you do get to watch a generational talent like Juan Soto every day for the time being and get to enjoy Nelson Cruz, at least the twilight of his career. And, you know, there are a few interesting pieces worth watching, but, you know, it's not going to be a fun summer, unfortunately, here in D.C. Don't think so. I definitely agree with you. And you're right about the fact that, for now, the fans get to watch Juan Soto play in a Nationals uniform. We'll see exactly how that goes. I, I don't want to dog him here. I don't want to pile it on because it's it's not worth it. It's not good radio. But at the same time, kind of like you said, 
this is this is not a team that's close to being a, a, a year away as the way as the way you said it. They're a year away from being a year away at least, and that might be generous. Yeah. I mean, the best thing to look forward to right now, I guess, is the return of Steven Strasburg, and when that might be. They're not putting a timetable on it, so who knows? Yeah, and even then, I mean, gosh, who knows how effective he's going to be when he comes back? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I made this joke. I think the last time I was on your show, if you're looking for. A good national team put in your 2019 World Series DVDs because otherwise you're not going to see one this year. You know, it's just going to be about having some of these younger players develop, whether it's Ruiz and Gray already on the roster or someone like Kate Cavalli coming through the minors. And, you know, you will get another top draft pick this summer as well. So otherwise, you know, if you're looking for instant gratification, this is the wrong team and the wrong you to look for it on. For me personally, I do enjoy listening to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler right here on 106.7 The Fan. They do a great job of calling the game. To me, that's the silver lining, but (laughs) that's pretty much all we've got at this point, RJ. But if we look up and down the rest of the National League East here, maybe a bit of a surprise that really the Mets are the only team to to have a winning record right now. And at 12-5, and they're cooking. Now... They're yeah. playing good baseball, but they don't even have Jacob DeGrom in their in their starting rotation yet. So you wonder what kind of a force of nature they could be once he and Scherzer have, are starting in the rotation together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're kind of waiting on an update on him, his MRI status. So we haven't gotten word on that just yet. A little curious to see, you know, what timetable they reveal, if any, in the coming hours or days. Uh, but you're right, you know, this is a really good team. Just a matter of can they stay healthy. And so far, they have stayed healthy other than the Grom. And, you know, that lineup, I think most days right now, they're running out eight above average or nine above average hitters. And it's just, you know, it's really hard to find an easy out on that lineup right now. And as you mentioned, you know, if they can get the Grom back and pair him with Scherzer and pair him with McGill and, you know, Carrasco or whomever fills out the back of that rotation, it's going to be a very difficult team to beat over the course of a five to seven game series if they are able to reach October. Yeah, and I think an important thing to remember, too, about the Mets specifically is a guy like Francisco Lindor, he's now been there a couple years. He wasn't very good in 2021, but here in 2022, he's one of the guys that has stepped up and he's really become more so worth what they, you know, gave up to go and get him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's just one of those situations where we know talent isn't going to disappear overnight. You know, it was a weird circumstance for him. He was traded late in the spring, if I recall correctly. And sometimes, you know, these guys are human beings and they show that, you know, and I think for anyone, it would have been a period of adjustment. You add in the world world circumstances with ongoing pandemic. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to have an off year. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think he probably caught a little too much flack for how he started there, but, you know, it didn't seem to have a lasting effect. And I suspect that he's going to be, going to remain, I should say, one of the top players in the game for the duration of that contract. So, you know, just a really good player. Seems like he has a really fun personality. It's enjoyable to watch him play. And, you know, if he can take the national fandom out of it, you know, he's (laughs) one of the bright spots of this league. Yes, definitely for for the New York Mets. And take this with a grain of salt for our listeners out there, obviously, since we're only 17, 18 18 games into the season, a four-game lead right now in the division for the Mets, but there's so much still to play before we get to a point where that's even going to matter. Still, RJ, I look at Atlanta at 7-10 and 10 right now, a little bit slow out of the gate, maybe to be expected, obviously, with them winning the World Series last year. There's generally a bit of a hangover for 
pretty much any team across professional sports coming right out of the gate, unless that team is led by Tom Brady, I suppose. <laughs> but right. Atlanta, Atlanta also lost some guys, mainly Freddie Freeman this offseason. So what's kind of not been working for them early, and do you expect it to change? Yeah, I expect it to change. You know, they've had, like you said, a little bit of a slow start. I would note that, you know, they're going to get some help back really soon here on the former Ronald Acuna Jr. Mm. I believe he's slated to return on May 6th. And when that happens, you're taking out either Adam Duvall or Eddie Rosario from their lineup. And, you know, unfortunately for them, neither of them have performed well so far this season. Now they're probably going to perform better heading forward because they are better players than they've shown. But you're essentially replacing, you know, a negative in your lineup with an MVP caliber player. And that's a huge trade-off. And, you know, they've, They've had some bright spots, too. I don't want to act like it's been all, you know, doom and gloom there. I mean, Matt Olsen, sure. who replaced Freeman, has been, been phenomenal for them so far. And uh, Kyle Wright, who a couple of years back was the top five draft pick, has basically re, like, overhauled everything from his mechanics, his arm slot, to his arsenal. And he's getting really good results so far. So I think, you know, it's easy to look at their record. It's easy to look at some of their individual performances and wonder, well, what's wrong with the champions? But there are some positive indicators there, and I think they're going to be fine when it's all said and done. I definitely expect them to be back in the thick of the playoff race, possibly even the pennant race as this season goes on. A lot of baseball still to be played. R.J. Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage is with us. You can find him on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson. I want to flip it and go to the National League West here, R.J., because so far, and this has often been the case the last couple of years that you and I have been doing radio together, the NL West is very strong once again. And generally, yeah. that conversation always starts around the Dodgers, right? Who did the Dodgers go out and buy this time? Well, Freddie Freeman is a guy that they went out and bought, not to mention holdovers like Trey Turner, who came to the team for, in the middle of last year. They're performing about the way that you would have expected. And the Giants come out of this weekend with a sweep of the Nationals. They've been playing pretty good, too. A little bit ahead of, a, ahead of schedule last year in 2021 with San Francisco. So I'm curious as to kind of how you see the West shaking out because I, it's always going to be tough to see somebody dethroning the Dodgers. Yeah, and my expectation is that they're going to win the West again. I know they didn't last year, but it kind of cut us all guard when that happened. You know, this team on paper is just phenomenal. You mentioned the addition of Freeman. I mean, they lost some pieces too. You know, Corey Sear went to Texas and uh, Kenley Jansen went to Atlanta, but you just look up and down this roster, and it's like, wow. I mean, the depth is absurd. You know, they have a couple of kids in AAA who would be starting in the big leagues for a lot of teams. And, you know, they have some names like Bobby Miller. He was a late first-round pick. He throws around 100 as a starter. He's going to be in the rotation at some point this year. They're probably going to have some other pieces they're going to plug in that we aren't even talking about at this point. I mean, it's just, you know, they're the smartest team in baseball for two reasons. Uh, number one, they spend a lot of money. You know, they're not <laughs> afraid of flexing their financial might. And number two, they're just so advanced on the player development side. They're able to consistently turn these mid to late first round picks, if they're even selected in the first round, into, you know, all star caliber players. And, you know, it's just a phenomenal front office, a phenomenal coaching and development staff, and their scouting staff and on down. I mean, they're just a monster. They're the best organization in baseball. So, yeah, I think they're going to win the last. You know, the Giants, I have my reservations about, but you can't discount what they did last year. And obviously, like you said, they're off to a good start as well. But the Dodgers, for my money, are the best team in that division and in all Major League Baseball. 
Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you there. And and if anybody is going to make a run at the Dodgers there in the NL West, it does seem like it's going to be the Giants, just considering that they are probably the team that's best suited to do it. Although there's a lot of talent down there in San Diego. Still, I, I don't know if the Padres have the pitching to keep pace in this division. Yeah, and they're also about Fernando Tatis Jr. for right. at least a couple of months, and that's tough. But I will just note, you know, we're talking about the Giants and you know how they're well-suited to tackle the Dodgers. They're ran by a former Dodgers executive. They're managed by a former Dodgers coach. So it just goes to show you, you know, the kind of talent, not just in terms of on the field, but also off the field of that organization has, you know, helped nurture over the last decade plus. Yeah, they've got it figured out over there, I think, to say the least. So before I let you go, RJ, just we'll, we'll move over to the American League here real quick. I want to look at the American League East. Yeah. And when it comes to the American League East, at least yesterday, in the last couple of days, there's been a lot of talk around uh, what went on there at Yankee Stadium between the Yankees and the Guardians, the Yankees fans, kind of getting into it with them. But the the Yankees playing over there in the East, 10-6, and six, right there with Toronto. What's been your early take on what the boys in the pinstripes are doing up there in New York City? Yeah, it's kind of funny because it feels like they've been a huge disappointment, and yet you look at the record and you look at how they have the best run differential in the division and most fan bases would be thrilled as their team playing that well record and run wise so far. But, you know, if you pay attention to Yankees fans, they're miserable basically. And I get it. You know, <laughs> they didn't have the off season they should have had. You know, they've kind of botched the past few winners to be frank with you, but it's still a good team on paper. They should be competitive for a playoff spot. And, you know, they might even be better than we think if they can get Joey Gallo out of his, year-and-a-half-long slump and, you know, have some of these other players who look like they have bright futures like Liber Torres emerge again. So I think it's a good team. It's just not as good as it could be. And I don't think they're going to win that division. I do think the Blue Jays are better. But, again, it's a good team. They'll probably make the playoffs. Toronto deserves some credit, too, for, for the way that they're playing early. But like you said, they are a team that is – had some expectations this season, and that has not necessarily always been the case, especially when you're talking about a division that features the Yankees, the Red Sox, and Tampa Bay, who obviously has been a surprise as of as of the last couple of years. They've certainly found themselves in some important games making the World Series a couple of years ago, but Toronto is, is interesting, RJ. I'm curious as to what the success for them looks like this season. What do you think? Yeah, I think it involves that lineup, which has a lot of young budding stars, just, you know, hitting and hitting some more. You know, they, they've also shown a skill, a penchant for getting more out of pitchers than other organizations have been able to do. And, you know, you look at their task this summer is to help a guy like Akuchi, you know, replace Robbie Ray. And, of course, they also signed Kevin Gosman. I don't want to put it all on him. But, you know, that's their main task, figuring out not only those guys so the rotation is strong, but also figuring out that bullpen because it's not a bullpen that's full of stars. You know, there's not a lot of familiar names on a national level. You know, they have a guy like Jordan Romano, very good arm, but you know, he's not a household name at this point. So if they can do that, you know, just figure out the pitching side of things, they're going to be very good. They're going to win a lot of games, score a lot of runs, make a lot of highlight reels. And who knows, they might even rack up a lot of playoff wins come October. It'll be interesting to watch, no doubt about it. RJ, I will let you go. I'll let you get to the rest of your Monday evening. Appreciate you carving out a little bit of time for us, pal. We will catch up again very soon. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. That's R.J. Anderson. There he goes. CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. One more time, you can find him on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson. Let's step aside. We'll take another quick break. Come back with more in the 7 o'clock hour. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan.